Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Before we get started with another great edition of the Duke's Rosslyn podcast, I do want to let you know, Zencaster.com. That's right, Zencaster.com. They are, without a doubt, my favorite website to head over to for all of these great conversations that you hear on the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. Superior quality and sound. Also, they have a great uh, video option as well if you need to record your videos. But the best part about it is the files are all split separately into MP3s. So you can edit them separately, you can put them together, do whatever you got to do. The main idea is Zencaster, Zencaster.com, that's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R, for all of your podcasting, video conferencing, even if you just want to uh, have a great conversation with your loved ones. All your needs there online for communication, Zencaster has you covered. That's right. Locked in. Look at what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Welcome to a special edition of the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. I am your man of the hour, the man with the power. Too sweet to be sour. That's right, the Duke. And let me tell you something. I got two great guests this week. Not only am I going to replay our conversation with the man known as Kazi, you know, the the writer and director of Standing 8, and also one of the supporting actors for Shimmer, but I decided, you know something, I'm going to bring on our main man, Rob Ciano. This is the brother who wrote and directed Shimmer. So without further ado, check out this great conversation with the one, the only Rob Ciano. Hi, my name is Rob Ciano. I am the writer, director, producer of Shimmer, and uh, I am the owner of Venture Cinema. Make something meaningful. Venture Cinema. Talk to me about this thing here. What, what do you mean by you're the owner of Venture Cinema? What is that? So Venture Cinema is the culmination of my life's uh, work, I would say, my life's dream. Um, When I was very young, I was acting on stage and I was making movies in my backyard. And I uh, had always wanted to become a filmmaker. That was what, you know, I I wanted to do with my life. And uh, I was extremely fortunate that, you know, the snowball rolled in such a way that just about three years ago, I was able to officially found my company Venture Cinema. Um, I originally wanted to have the name have something to do with palm trees because I really, uh, when I was younger, I would make, uh, movies under the name palm tree productions or palm tree limited. Um, but when it came down to it, I started thinking about what I wanted my company to be and what I wanted it to represent. And I started thinking about venturing forth and adventures and, and, you know, doing something meaningful and, uh, came, you know, came across that name. So venture cinema is a dream come true in in a way, and uh, I'm just I'm just very happy uh, to be able to make movies under that name. What's the most challenging part about making movies, Rob? Because you know it it sounds like a a, a pretty big undertaking just to 
go from an idea to literally something that people can watch on a screen there. So if, if you would, if you could pick one thing, what's been the biggest challenge? I think the biggest challenge, especially in independent film, which is what I work in, um, I'm not associated with any studios. I think the biggest thing is just having the confidence to go forward and say, yes, this is a risk, but I'm going to take it because I believe in myself and, and really it's a lot of self-motivation. It's a lot of, um, it's a lot of getting yourself up in the morning and saying, oh man, like I'm going to have to make these phone calls and I'm not sure how they're going to go, but I'm going to do it. I think that's the most difficult part when you're supported by a studio. Um, there's a lot more, uh, you know, I, I guess there's a lot less convincing you have to do of people, but you know, um, uh, and you have to have a lot of confidence in yourself uh, to be an independent filmmaker. And I think that's probably, um, you know, just a, a challenge. Uh, it was a challenge for me and it's, it's a challenge for some people. So yeah, definitely. What's been the most rewarding part of it? Oh, this is something that I thought about just the other day. I mentioned that venture cinema is the cult is, is my, is, you know, literally my dream uh, was to, was to have this, was to make a company to make movies. And I think that the most rewarding thing is the fact that, uh, you know, that I was able to go ahead and I made a feature film and you can, you know, you can watch it. Anybody can watch it. And, uh, it's a thing that's going to just be, uh, exist forever. And I think that is so rewarding to me because I think that I put something out that I'm, I'm personally very proud of. And I think that the people in, who were involved in making it are very proud of it. And, uh, I, I just am happy that I can put something out into the world that other people can hopefully learn something from or just enjoy. Uh, that's rewarding to me. That's extremely rewarding. Well, speaking of that and speaking of re enjoying works of art, I mean, Shimmer, you know, now, mm. now, folks, we're not talking about Shimmer, uh, you know, the, the all women's wrestling promotion. So we're, unfortunately, nope. we're not talking about that this time. We are talking about uh, Rob Ciano's new film that is just really a, a totally different take on this whole sci-fi thriller concept, because instead of thinking about the dark, you really uh, are, are focusing on the light, so to speak. So, so why don't you tell everybody, what is, what is Shimmer? What's the basic concept of that? Sure. Uh, Shimmer, our tagline is, are you afraid of the light? Uh, there is something going on. There is a series of strange deaths, and our main character, a forensic scientist named Dr. Thea Kate, is investigating. As she continues to investigate, she starts to realize this really doesn't seem like a human killer. And then she starts to realize, oh my God, this thing is after me and has to stop it. Um, it's a movie that, uh, you know, we shot this back in 2019 along, you know, with the start of the company. And uh, it's a really fun movie. It's really fun. Um, I think that it's, you know, it's, it's a sci-fi thriller. Um, it has some horror elements. Uh, I think it's a very fun original story and uh you know we've been getting a lot of a lot of good feedback on it <laughs> that's pretty cool that's pretty cool and, and and your your lead actress in that uh movie there she's been pretty busy lately huh she has been very busy she has been very busy nicole galicia who first of all was amazing to work with extremely talented yeah she's been she's been all over the place um on uh, Yellowstone, the show Yellowstone um she's on mayor of Kingstown yeah Nicole Galicia is everywhere it's it's really interesting to me. Um, what made you decide to to choose Nicole in that lead spot because she really knocked it out of the park. There's no two ways about it. She's a fantastic uh, actress there. Why Nicole over anybody else? 
You know, it was funny. I met Nicole in an interesting way. I was looking for someone to work on the production end of the film um, and in a in an office type capacity. But this person said, you know, who you should audition for a role in your film is my friend Nicole. And as a director, you get that often is, oh, you know, you should audition my friend. You should audition me. You know, I'm an actor, this person, you know, whatever. And so I just kind of said, sure, you know, I'll, I'll take their information. And I, I reached out. And it was almost as if nobody else needed to audition for the role, really, because I communicated with Nicole. I sent her the materials. She sent in her audition tape, and it was like I was watching the character that I had written. It was really, um, you know, we definitely looked at other people for the role just to be sure, because I don't, I don't want to be impulsive. I don't want to go and, and just go based on the first person that I see. But especially after interacting with her, we spoke about the character. She told me what her take on what Thea was you know, why Thea, you know, behaved the way that she did. I just felt such an understanding of the character from her. And to see, even in the audition tape, which she, I'm, I'm sure she just shot that in her apartment in front of a blank wall, you know, it's, she came forward, she came through. And as a director, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for an actor who, you know, can introduce themselves and say, my name is X. And then turn into somebody else when they do their audition. And that's completely what Nicole did. So I, I knew I knew she was the right person for the role. You know, one of the things that I respect about you, Rob, is just the fact that you're a guy that is not afraid to look beyond um, whatever whatever initially is is in front of you. You're you're thinking a few moves ahead. You know, it's almost like you're playing chess when most of the world is is generally playing go fish. It's just a different thing there. And and, and I find myself, you know, really connecting uh, well with people like that because this is the kind of guy I am as well. Talk Mm -hmm. to me about your your journey. I don't want to get too deep into religion or anything like that, but there's something very spiritual about you. And And I know that whether it be martial arts or whether it be yoga, there's a common theme in your in your life story that lends itself to a more spiritual side, which re- reflects itself in your work. Well, th- thank you. Um, I, I take that as a, as a compliment. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I've, I've never been asked a question like that before, so I'm, I'm excited to, to answer it and to think about it. Um, I definitely chose my company motto, Make Something Meaningful, because I believe that as an artist, as somebody who is putting out something into the world, as a writer, as a filmmaker, I mean, the idea of being a filmmaker is you want to make something that somebody else is going to be entertained by. Um, but in doing that, you're putting things out into into the world. You know, you're 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 writing words. Uh, you're then getting somebody else to say those words. And for me, I would want to make sure that those words that I'm writing that somebody else is going to say, you know. Um, I want to make sure that they mean something. I want to make sure that they they tell a good story, that they tell something about you know morality or about uh, interacting with people or about understanding or about just some kind of um, you know. I I don't want to say that I'm putting a, a, a heavy moral in all of my movies. I mean, Shimmer is not a movie that's happy go lucky stars, you know, heart stars and horseshoes or anything like that. I actually was a yoga instructor and I taught yoga for about a year and a half. Um, and I wouldn't say that I follow any particular religious, you know, doctrine in any way, but I think that there's something that happens when an artist puts something out into the universe. 
especially something that they're hoping that other people will connect to. So, you know, I just try and think about that and I try and be uh, conscious of sort of the vibes that I'm putting out. And I want to put out vibes that are going to help the world at the end of the day. You know, even though this is a movie that's a sci-fi thriller and people die and stuff like that, like I think that there's something going on in the story that, um, you know, I'm, I, I, I think people were talking about when I was writing it and maybe we'll talk about a little more after they watch it. Kind of has a, a modern day X-Files vibe with a little true detective in there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the mm-hmm. best way that I could describe it. But, you know, this this whole... It's sci-fi, but it doesn't beat you over the head that it's sci-fi. It's it's more like I would say it leans more thriller than sci-fi. At least its initial feel, which is really really cool because mm-hmm. it keeps you guessing at the same time too. Um, I got to ask you something about the yoga stuff, man. Because look, I'm I'm a guy that I don't know what it is about me. I just come right mm-hmm. out with it and just ask a question. I'm not trying to be offensive here, but absolutely, what is up? Appreciate what it. is up with the craze of it seems like everybody is everybody who's walking around barefoot po- pointing their toes at the camera and doing little twisty things with their fingers they're yogis what, what is the deal here is there a, a a way to know who's legit and who's just kind of doing it for the instagram photos and likes and what have you here i mean what's the real story with the whole yoga craze these days it's a little wrapped up in itself in certain ways. And I agree with you. It's definitely difficult to tell who's somebody authentic to really follow and pay attention to. Um, I, I don't really want to cop out and say that, you know, go with your intuition. That doesn't count. That doesn't work. I think that really, um, if you take the time to, if it's something that you're really interested in, like learning about and you want to, you want to get into yoga and you want to find somebody who, uh, is, Honestly, I would try and find somebody in person. I would try and find somebody local to you. You're, you may not get the, you may not get, I don't know, the person who has 3 million followers on Instagram because they can pose really, really well. But what you'll get is somebody you can actually have a conversation with about yoga and say, man, like, what's up with these Instagram yogis? Why are they doing all these crazy postures? Is that yoga? And then the person in front of you can say, well, that's not yoga yoga. That's showing off, you know? Um, because there is a lot of, there, there's a lot of people out there who are just very bendy and flexible and they're, they think that they have, uh, you know, a really good philosophy on yoga just because they can take nice pictures and get followers. So I'm a big proponent and I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, in-person instruction, if that's possible, if that's something you can do, if that's not something you can do, there's also a lot of people online who, you know, have good yoga classes. Um, I have a, a beginner's yoga five-part series for yoga for the absolute beginner that I made many years ago. Um, just, just five, five videos on like, here's how you just start doing yoga if you've never done it before. So you know, I would say look for somebody like that. Look for somebody who is really interested in getting people into yoga and not showing off. You know, I think it's easy to tell who's trying to show off and who's trying to actually engage you as a as a as a student or as just somebody who is interested. You know, I appreciate your honesty with that because you're absolutely right. There are just some people who are just really bendy. <laughs> so they could do all yeah, of these exactly. things. You know, most of us are not. So there's that whole intimidation yeah. factor that goes along with somebody doing these advanced twisty up, whatever, whatever. And it's like, is that really yoga? 
probably not. You know, this this whole concept of mind, body, and spirit uh, being at a state of of one where you can relax, you mm. can free yourself, and then within that, you can focus on what's happening with your body and ways to improve upon it. I mean, it, that's that's what I gather from what yoga is supposed to be. But that's not what I always see out there, and mm -hmm. I, I just find it interesting, you know? At least, I, I would hope that if after somebody's been practicing yoga for a little while, they would come to understand that it's a little more than just getting into the most advanced posture that you can. Personally, in my practice, I really don't do anything that would be considered an advanced posture because I'm trying to do other things with my yoga. I don't really, you know, I'm not trying to get into you know, the, the scorpion posture, because the scorpion posture has nothing to do with the moving meditation that I'm doing, you know, exactly. like that's it's so, you know, and not to say there's anything wrong with getting into the scorpion posture. I think that it takes a, you know, a different kind of effort and focus, and that's great to practice if that's what you want to do. But doing the scorpion posture is not in a vacuum yoga. It's just putting your body in a position. Yes. And, and, and another thing, folks, just because you have goats standing on your back uh, while you're sitting in a hot room, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. I'm mm -hmm. not saying that it, it, it can't possibly work, but I just don't, I don't know about that. I, I'll just leave it at that. Um, martial art. When I was very little, I took karate. I took karate when I was very little and I, I didn't advance too far. I got a couple of belts in and from that point, I don't remember specifically why we stopped going why I stopped doing it. I think that I started switching over to being a little more invested in the acting at that point because I started acting on stage very heavily. Um, but I kept it. I kept it and I kept practicing it. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I'm, you know, I, I, I haven't been able to spar anyone in a long time, you know, but I I I practice it. I I'm very interested now in in Wing Chun. I started practicing some Wing Chun. I um I also, uh, and as, as nerdy as this is, um, I've always been interested in swordplay specifically because of my interest in sci-fi and Star Wars and lightsabers. And I learned that there is a, <laughs> an actual literal uh, sport that's being developed called Ludo Sport, which is, <laughs> which is literally lightsaber fighting um, with different styles and, and point systems and rankings and all this kind of stuff. And I'm I'm just starting to learn about that, but that's you know I I used to do sword sword stuff like that as well when I was younger, and uh, and so it's just as far as martial arts goes, I, I wouldn't I, I I wouldn't say I'm gonna win too many fights or anything, but I think that I I think that uh, I could certainly hold my own. <laughs> and here we go again with this outside the box stuff. You're you're not going after any regular run of the mill sport. You want to literally fight people with lightsabers, uh, like Star Wars. So yes, you, <laughs> you can't beat that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so funny because like I, I I when I first heard about it, I thought that I had manifested it. I had been saying I was like to, to somebody, I was like, man, like I love sword fighting. I'm interested in fencing. I had taken some fencing classes, and I said, man, it would be great if if this were lightsabers instead. And then like two months later, I heard about Ludo Sport and I was like, hold on a minute. This is amazing. Again, you're, you're just a guy that is just, you're, you're outside the box, man. That's the way it is, you know? So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to throw something at you that's just really going to be a curveball. You're not going to see coming. Um, okay. 
give me give me three songs that if you were to speak to a complete stranger and you could not tell them anything about yourself just give them these three songs and that for the most part represents who you are or who you would like the world to know who you are what would those three songs be that is an in-depth question that is an in-depth question. Give me two seconds to think about it because I have some ideas. My first thought, and I don't know if this would definitely be on my list because I think that it may, uh, I think the title of it may lend uh, to an incorrect conclusion, Mars, the Bringer of War by Gustav Holst, which is an incredible piece of music, uh, which sounds a hell of a lot like Star Wars. Um, but we'll, we'll table that one for the moment. Um I really have been, uh, oh man. All right, maybe this, maybe this one's a little silly, but I'm going to put it in there. Party Rock Anthem. We're putting Party Rock Anthem up there. We're going from Gustav Holst to LMFAO, uh, the natural progression, as they call it. Um, so we're going to put Party Rock Anthem up there because I uh, definitely enjoy uh, being a, <laughs> I don't know, outgoing uh, wild individual sometimes. To counter that, and on the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, maybe let's go with let's go with something like Jack Johnson, something very chill, and maybe like banana pancakes. I definitely have Ooh. a side to me that's sentimental, and I really enjoy that relaxation. Um, I like the idea of being, you know, with somebody. You know, that song is about two people, you know, just really blowing off the day and being with one another instead. So I like that idea too. Um, and, and that's a big part of who I am. And I think the last thing I got to throw in there, Purple Haze, Jimi Hendrix. I, I have to. That era was really influential to me. Um, I saw the musical Hair on Broadway when I was, I don't know, 20 years old. And I was... I had long hair and I was wearing peace signs at the time and all this stuff. I just like really connected to it and, uh, and to that, you know, hippie era. So yeah, I think those are good. LMFAO, Jack Johnson and Jimi Hendrix. Why Jack Johnson over, I don't know, uh, uh, John Mayer or anyone else. I mean, why Jack Johnson over one of anyone else who was similar style there? Well, the true answer is because I thought of him first. Um, the, also true answer is I'm less familiar with John Mayer, but also um, I'm a big lover of the beach. I lived at the beach for th- three and a half years and it's just, that's really my happy place. And so those kind of like beachy vibes also really, really speak to me. I told you yeah. I was going to challenge you there, Rob. I told you I was going to, you know, because you're, you're an like outside it. the box guy. <laughs> I like it. This is good. No, please. We need, we need challenges here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So so tell me something yeah. about... um pro wrestling because of course you know this is a pro wrestling show and i know that um do my a little bit of research there i know that that you're familiar with pro wrestling uh maybe not so much directly but definitely indirectly give me a pro wrestling story from your childhood okay here's (laughs) here's here's my relationship to pro wrestling my relationship to pro wrestling is like being uh, looking in the window, being like, what's going on in there? Because my, my parents weren't super excited when I said that I was interested in pro wrestling. I would go to my friend's house and I would, you know, they would be playing with like their Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, toy with the ring. And, you know, they had the rock and I'm like, oh man, these guys are so cool. And like, we would watch, 
you know, watch an episode, you know, we, not an episode, I, I'm talking in today world, we'd watch, you know, we'd watch something and, and I'd go home and be like, try and watch it at home. And my parents were not having it. I, I guess they didn't, they didn't understand it. They weren't interested in, in <laughs> figuring it out. I don't really know. Um, but I remember my cousin had come to visit and he lived, he lived, um, many States away and they didn't really visit too often. And he watched wrestling and I was so, I snuck downstairs to watch wrestling with my cousin because it was night and I knew that, like this was the only time this was ever going to be on in the house. I was like, I have to go downstairs and watch this match. And it was, it was so much, I, I could not, I could not tell you for the life of me who I watched, but it was, it was, it was fun. It was, it was like being in a candy shop. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely, I get it. <laughs> I just haven't, I haven't been there, you know? That's I guess there's no time and, like the present, though. No, there's no time like the present. And here's the interesting <laughs> part, because you're a guy that's in film. I mean, you're a director and what have you, writer. Look at a guy like The Rock, who back then he was just this, this young pro wrestler doing his thing. Now he's one of the biggest movie stars in the world. Uh, you, you have Sasha Banks oh, yeah. from the WWE, who she's oh, yeah. in the Mandalorian Instagram. now. <laughs> uh, oh, really? Wow. You follow The Rock? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That's oh, yeah. interesting. I love The Rock. Oh my God. I mean, and that's what I'm saying is like when I was like, when I was little, like I would watch and I'd be like, there's the rock. It's like, Oh my God, it's the rock. And then I, then I'm like, okay, well I just, I'm seeing him appear in films. I'm seeing, you know, he's in the Scorpion King. I'm seeing him appear in different films. And I, and then I see him talking and interacting outside of the ring too. And I'm like, this, this guy is so, he's a guy, he's a dude. He's like, you know, he just, and so, yes, I mean, I, I have a bunch of weird connections. Yeah. Do you find it surprising that pro wrestlers do so well in in acting? I don't think so because acting is being vulnerable. Acting is putting yourself out there in front of people. Acting is being brave, you know, and those are all things that pro wrestlers are going out there and they're getting out in front of thousands and millions of people. You know, if you can go out there and, you know, be in your Speedo and fight, you know, like you, there's, there's a, I'm sure there's a lot of other things that you could stand up to doing, you know, I, I'm, I'm not surprised at all to, to see somebody cross over because it's, because it's, it's about, it's about courage. It's about what you can bring yourself and your body to do. Um, I, you know, and I, I think, I think it's amazing. I mean, you know, you see somebody like other musicians crossing over into acting, other people in the, in the public sphere crossing over into acting, because if you, if you're able to put yourself out there, you know, um, that's one of the skills you need. Not not the only skill you need to be an actor, but it's one of them, you know? And it's, it's prominent in pro wrestling, that's for sure. You hear that, pro wrestler? So for all you listening right now, uh, I'm not sure if The Rock is listening, but I'm pretty sure John Cena is listening right now. Listen, Cena, my man Rob Ciano, he, he, he's got some things going on, brother. You may, you may need to uh, link up with him and see. Could be a project in line there. You never know. There, Cena, uh, if you're uh -oh. listening, I literally do have a project for you. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you have to write it right now, you're gonna have that project, right? Yeah. I got a scene that uh, that Mr. Cena might be interested in. I don't know. Hey man, it's already uh, written. word around town, word around town because he is a fellow uh, mass hole like myself. I'm a Boston guy. Uh Cena's from West Newbury, mm. Massachusetts. But word around I mean, he follows me and and I hear that he does enjoy listening to the show. So seriously, John, if you're if you're listening right now, um, I have Rob's contact info. You know, reach out, man. This is a good dude right here doing some good work. And you know something? 
why don't we let everybody know what the contact info is, Rob? What's the best way that people can not only sure. check your stuff out? So number one, um, where can they find Shimmer if they want to you know, check the film out right away? And then also, how can they get in touch with you? Sure, absolutely. Well, Shimmer can be found on shimmerthemovie.com. Uh, the movie is on Amazon. It's on uh, Vudu. It's on Dish. It's on In Demand. And you can also pick it up in some Walmart stores um, on Blu-ray and DVD. As for myself, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Rob Ciano Film. That's Ciano, C-I-A-N-O. I'm also on uh, on Facebook at Rob Ciano Film uh, there as well. Um, and those are those are the two main places where I'll where I'm I'm posting and, and putting things up is on those two pages. That's good stuff. Now, Ciano is is that Italian? That is Italian. Yep. In, ah, in Italy, that. it was actually Cianni, but uh, it they kept the Italian sounding name when it was changed. And yes, tell me again, where, what part of the country are you from, there, Rob? Where, where are you at uh, these uh, days? I am from New Jersey. I actually, if I look out my window. I can see the Manhattan skyline from out my window. So I'm right up in North Jersey. Nice, nice. All right, I need you to help me settle a real big issue that I have with some friends of mine who are in Philly, okay? Uh And um, I'm not trying to start any kind of five families uh, war here, but I just want to, you know, I'm reaching out. My buddy Rob Ciano, Ciano, I'm I'm trying to get the truth here on something because you're, you're a filmmaker, so you have a what I would like to say, a, an advanced palette, because you have to be all over the place and you have to be open to try new things. So, you know, you know good food. You're, you're, and I'm a food guy. Duke loves wrestling, but Duke loves food. So I, I got to ask you about this. I say that the Philly cheesesteak is the worst steak sandwich that a person could ever get, especially with the cheese whiz. It's that fake cheese. It's disgusting. Here in Boston, we have something called a steak and cheese sub, okay, where we use real cheese. Okay. Most of the time, it's provolone. We use real cheese, not that cheese whiz nonsense. So my brother, Rob Chiano, okay, Paisan, come on, help mm-hmm. me out here. Are you a Philly cheesesteak guy, or are you more in line with a steak and cheese sub? I am more in line with a steak and cheese sub, my friend. Because I'll tell you why. Nobody has time for fake cheese. Nobody has time for fake cheese. Nobody has time for crap crap steak. I'm not saying they have crap steak in Philly, but I'm saying if I want fake, real cheese or fake cheese, give me the real cheese every day. Provolone, please. You're asking an Italian if he wants provolone cheese? Of course I want provolone cheese. You I had provolone that? cheese with my lunch yesterday. You see that, folks? This is what I'm talking about right now. And listen, I went to a neutral party. <laughs> You know what I mean? Rob is a New Jersey guy. He has no no dog in this fight here. But at the end of the day, if you're going to go to a guy who has a real palate, who knows what real good food tastes like, okay, he's going to let you know straight up steak and cheese sub is the way to go. If 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 I'm in New Jersey right now, Rob, where am I going to eat and what am I getting real quick? Where are you going to eat and what are you getting real quick? You're probably going to Maggiano's if you want a nice Italian meal since we're sure. on the Italian kick. Maggiano's is good. It's nice, big, big family style meals. I'm a big fan of the chicken parm. That's usually my go-to when I go there. But don't forget about any of like the calamari or any of the fish because you're not going to have a bad time with that either. You're probably going to have a good time. I would, I would wager. Is there a reason why you didn't mention the lemon cookies at Maggiano's? What's going on here? The lemon cookies are a secret. You're not supposed to know about the lemon cookies until you get there. 
I'll tell you a funny story. I, I got Maggiano's for my birthday in December, and the oh, young really? lady who was ringing me up, yeah, man. And, and and but here in Boston, we have a location right downtown. And uh, the young lady who rang me up, she said, "I got a special treat for you, Duke." And sure enough, she gave me seven lemon cookies, and they were the best cookies I ever had. Wow! I got to go to that uh, Maggiano's. See. See, I'm telling, and I've been to Maggiano's in yeah. Vegas. You know, they, they wherever you go at Maggiano's, mm-hmm. you're gonna get a good, you're gonna get a good lasagna. That's that's you know for a fact. A, no yeah. matter which one, you're getting a good lasagna. There's no two ways about it, right? Absolutely, good lasagna, good ravioli. I love a good ravioli. Well, listen, good Rob Ciano, you you are a good man, and again, I want everybody to check out Shimmer. I don't care what you got to do. If you got to go on Amazon, if you if you got to go on Voodoo, if you got to order it uh, through Walmart, if you want to get the DVD, what have you, check this movie out. It's a great piece of work. It's 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 interesting. Um, you're on the edge of your seat, so it's going to keep you guessing. You will not figure out what happened, so you really got to watch to the end in order to understand uh, what's going on there. But uh, it's just really a, a great representation of the kind of filmmaker and writer and really the kind of person that Rob Ciano is just a, a guy thinking on a different scale. And I'm, I'm interested in to see what he has coming up next. So we'll definitely have you back on the show sometime, Rob. That sounds great. And thank you so much for the kind words. I'm, I'm really glad to have been here. This was, this was a lot of fun. What a good dude there. Rob Ciano, fantastic conversation there. You know, he's really in touch with his spiritual side and what have you. And it shows just a, just a really, really fun guy to talk to. And, you know, I decided, hey, listen, since I, I'm bringing Rob on the show, I know a couple weeks ago we had Kazi, but let's just make it a package deal. So without further ado, let's revisit my conversation with the man known as Kazi. I'm Kazi Toganus, uh, the lead actor, producer, writer of, of Standing Eight, a film about a professional boxer who's forced to retire after being diagnosed with lupus. Uh, also a key supporting actor in the thriller Shimmer. Well, Kazi, first and foremost, thank you for joining us here on Duke Loves Wrestling. Standing Eight is pretty heavy uh, subject matter there. So, you, so this is a movie about a boxer battling lupus. So so I got to ask the, the obvious question in the room. Exactly what is lupus, Kazi? So lupus is an autoimmune disease wherein the body's healthy organs and tissues are attacked by the immune system. So it can affect any organ system. Uh, it can affect the skin, uh, and it, it, it can uh, be deadly. Uh, on, unfortunately, on average, it takes about six years to get diagnosed. It's often referred to as the great imitator because uh, it, it'll show symptoms that can be you know, uh, credited to other types of diseases. Uh, a lot of times, um, uh, early symptoms, like they'll think you have carpal tunnel or arthritis. Um, but indeed it's lupus affecting the joints. So it is difficult to diagnose. Um, there have been, there have been some, uh, new tests that have come out through, uh, exogen. There's, it's like the one of a kind test that actually can test for lupus and how active it is in your system. Unfortunately, a lot of People in the medical profession aren't aware of the product quite yet, or they just don't know to test for it because despite the millions of people around the globe that do have lupus, there's still a, a real lack of awareness. Um, it's affected my family because my mother has been fighting lupus since before I was born. Uh, so I've had to witness 
firsthand the effects that it can have uh, and how it can kind of devastate uh, people's lives um, professionally, uh, physically, emotionally. Uh, it, it definitely takes its toll. It's a, it's, it's, it's a tough disease. You know, I wonder about something, Kazi, because you said that um, your mom had been battling lupus since you know before you were born. What you knew growing up was someone dealing with this sort of condition, this disease here. When did you realize that this was not quote-unquote normal um, in a general sense here, that this was, you know, your, your mother was part of a, a smaller portion of the population dealing with something like this? So, uh, you know, we're Eastern Europeans. <laughs> they got this old school, don't let on that anything is wrong kind of a mentality. So my parents made this conscious decision to not let my mother's lupus affect my childhood. So she really didn't let on, um, you know, that there wasn't a day that went by that she wasn't in pain, right? She would just do whatever she had to do and she wouldn't complain. She would, you know, hospital visits, um, you know, chemotherapy, um, regular doctor's appointments, tests, all of this became a very normal thing to me in my life. And I never really thought anything of it. Seeing, seeing my mom at the doctor's just, it just felt normal. And I didn't really realize, you know, how sick my mother was until college, realistically, because I ended up writing a paper on lupus. And when I wrote that paper, it kind of opened up my mind uh, to realize all the symptoms that my mom was experiencing. I actually got into like the biology and the science as to what was happening in her body and why she was acting the way that she was acting and, and feeling the things that she was feeling. And it was kind of an eye opener for me at that point in time. That was like a big, big leap forward. And then the next big leap for me was really when I decided to make Standing 8. And I talked to my mom specifically about her journey with lupus because I was trying to make the screenplay ring true to her journey. And that was another eye-opening moment, um, just kind of leveled up my understanding of of what my mother was going through and how it it really did uh, throw, a, a, throw a wrench into the gears of her life. I mean, I can't really, I mean, that's putting it mildly. Um, she had to give up her career. You know, she was, she was on the road to getting her PhD. She's a mathematician. She had to quit teaching. Um, she tried to tutor and then her energy level dropped to the point where she couldn't even do that anymore. Um, professionally, it just totally, totally just threw her off track. And I know that was a hard thing for her to contend with. Um, and then of course, like the physical, right? Every, every day you're, you're waking up in some kind of pain something is something is hurting. So uh, it's been it's it's been uh, really tough for her, but she made sure that it, it wasn't tough for me, especially when I was younger. So so with standing eight, I mean, this is a movie about a boxer who is coping with uh, lupus. Why a boxing movie? Why, why did you, you choose a boxer to be the person, the main character to uh, tell this story with? Well, at, at the beginning, um, you know, I was in my, I was in the midst of my acting career. I was auditioning quite a bit. Uh, I had auditioned for boxing roles uh, more than one occasion. Um, 
and I was just getting overlooked. And it was it was kind of frustrating me because I did have a boxing background. You know, I fought in the Pennsylvania Golden Gloves and I had that boxing experience, uh, yet I wasn't getting cast. And I, I really felt like, you know, it, sometimes you just got to validate yourself when it comes to your career. And I wanted to write a project that I would be able to play a boxer. And, uh, you know, they say, write what you know. And my team and I kind of got together and we were throwing ideas around and uh, my co-producer was like, you know, what if we, what if we involve the, the lupus angle? And I was like, yeah, that's great. You know, like, and, I'm, and we're thinking of how we could do that. And, uh, he mentioned, well, what if, what if the boxer actually got lupus? So instead of telling it from like a secondhand storyline where he's, he's trying to take care of someone with lupus, he actually gets lupus, which ironically with, with men, um, lupus is men are the, the minority in the lupus community, right? Only about 10% of lupus patients are men. So it actually opened up the door to tell the story, not only about uh, loop, like bringing lupus in as a plot device, but actually speaking to the minority of the minority, if that makes sense. Um, and, and, and of course it, it, it checked off a couple of boxes for me as an actor, but it really was able to bring attention and shed some light on the journey that a lot of people with lupus have to have to deal with. And that's the fact that a lot of them end up losing their livelihoods because they just physically can't work. What is it like, uh, Kazi, to be an actor? And like you just said, I mean, you have a background in, in boxing and what have you. What is it like to take your own work, not somebody else's story, not somebody else's is creative, but to take your own creative and be able to bring it to life and be able to, to have it shown on screen something that people can check out something that that you know these are thoughts in your in your brain that you just transferred into a real thing so to speak it's not just an idea anymore what does that feel like for you creating your own content is is so i i often equate um you know acting to being a, a brush or a color on a painter's palette the director is the painter so when you're being a creative, you're not really getting to indulge in the full creative process when you're acting in somebody else's project, right? Because you're functioning as the brush, you're functioning as the paint. Um, when you're the painter, you're telling your own story. And I think that the most, probably the most cre the creatively satisfying thing I've done in my entire life is making this film. Uh, it, 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 it allowed me to, to develop the story. And then uh, to, to interject my personal experiences, my mother's experiences. I mean, there's dialogue verbatim uh, in, in the film that comes from my, from my mother's experience. And being able to intertwine that and then take a skill set that I had, like through boxing, and put it all together uh, really served as uh, just it was just a great experience. I mean, I learned a lot. It was probably like getting my, uh, my master's in filmmaking. Um, I, I don't regret anything with that film. Uh, multiple stages from pre-production to production, two different rounds of post-production. We had a festival cut of the movie and then we went back and, and I re-edited the entire film uh, again for, for the release on, on Amazon. So I was able to revisit the same movie twice. 
Uh, and that in itself was such a learning experience. I mean, I, I can't emphasize enough how important it is for for actors, especially to really consider creating their own content because no one will be able to fulfill you like you can for yourself. You know, nobody can actually step into shoes or, or play roles that you really feel passionate about the way and tell those stories that you really want to tell. If you're, if you're getting cast in a project, you're fulfilling somebody else's vision. And I encourage people to really think about how they can fulfill their own vision. Of course, it isn't easy. You know, there's a lot more to, you know, you got to raise the money, you got to put the people together, you got to produce, you know, you have to write. But at the end of the day, I would much rather be the painter than just the brush or a color on the palette. Well, I just think it's cool that you're able to take real aspects of your own life, you know, your background in boxing, um, your mother personally going through this this journey, fighting this this disease, lupus. The fact that you're able to take these things and, and put it together and then tell the story, um, it's really cool. It's, it's really cool. And, and I commend you for that. Talk to me about Shimmer. What's what's this this new thriller here that's out? Shimmer. And, and what's your connection to it? So Shimmer is a, a an indie sci-fi thriller, uh, and it, it kind of flips the genre on its head, um, it, it, you know, it, in, in, in the horror kind of a sense. I, I kind of equate it to like a like it feels like an extended X-Files episode. It's basically about a, um, a creature that moves through light. So as opposed to all these horror films that you see taking place at nighttime and things happening, awful things happening at night, there's actually an entity that moves through daylight and is at its strongest point in bright light. So hence shimmer. Uh, I play detective Kurt Bloss. He's a, just a hard nosed, uh, um, thinks with his, thinks with his, uh, his pistol, not, not with his brain type of a guy, uh, trying to figure out, uh, why these people have been, uh, dying and, uh, really is is not at all open to the idea that it could be something other than a human that's been doing this killing just wild wild so are you a are you generally a sci-fi guy i mean or or is this kind of outside of the realm of what you would normally be involved with to be honest i really enjoy all genres of film i like i i grew up on on predator and aliens and terminator and robocop I love those those types of sci-fi, you know, actioners. But you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for Blade Runner. But you know, if you you go into, I mean, I, I I as an actor have always felt like I've wanted to touch and get into every genre. I don't want to just be stuck doing the same types of projects over and over again. So when when I got that script, when the producer reached out to me and said, "Hey, I think I have something you might be really good in." Uh, and she sent over the script to me. This was Freya Saxon, by the way. She she was one of the producers on Shimmer. Um, I know her from film school back in uh, at the New York Film Academy. But she had always kept me in mind because she got into producing. And then when she got a project, she circled back to me, you know, 10 years later. And when she sent me the script, I, I read it and I was like, oh, this is great. It's, it's, this is this like a, a different uh, take on sci-fi. It's a, a different idea. Um, the character was a lot of fun, so it didn't it didn't take much convincing for me to 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 lay down a tape and, and audition for them. Well, that's that's great. I mean, it's it's clear that um, you got a couple of irons in the fire, so to speak, which is always cool. 
I I really, really appreciate the fact that you're not limiting yourself. So you're, you know, we're doing boxing, we're doing sci-fi. You could do it all, so to speak here, man, which is pretty cool. Um, I do wonder about something. And, And I've always wanted to talk to somebody who has a background and, and, but is able to look at it with fresh eyes. Cause you're not a professional boxer, uh, but you did do it, you know, on the amateur ranks or what have you. What's your take on where we're at today with folks like Jake Paul doing these more uh, celebrity style fights, um, these big fights to a certain degree, because he is getting some well-known names in the ring and people from MMA and boxing, what have you to, to do these sort of things. What's your general take on where boxing is today from that standpoint? You know, when the pandemic hit, it was hard to put matches together, you know, um, couldn't get a crowd. I think initially what they offered was a bit of a spectacle. And I, I did watch the first, I think it was one of the first Jake Paul pandemic fights. And I thought it was fun. You know, it was like a concert. It was kind of like entertaining to watch. Um, the, the, the problem with it is, is that it's, uh, I, well, I think boxing has kind of been its own worst enemy, right? How, you know, it's not like when you want to watch professional basketball, you watch the NBA. When you want to watch professional football, you watch the NFL. You want to, you know, you, you want to watch hockey, watch NHL, right? Where, what, what are the governing bodies of boxing, right? Uh, UFC, you want to watch, you want to watch mixed martial arts. What do you got? UFC, PFL, you know, a couple of couple of different uh, angles that you can that you can catch. But with boxing, you have it's just where who you know how many belts are there? What's going you know? And it's been like this for years. And then they've also made it very expensive to watch fights that are big. You know, they're no longer broadcast as much. You know, I think NBC brought back boxing for a little bit, right? But it's 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 left the door open for guys like Jake Paul to come in and and make money and have he has a huge following and if if uh, former MMA fighters want to get in with the ring with them and with him and and get paid that's their prerogative do I think it's good for the sport um, you know I mean it, if, it, if for connoisseurs it probably feels like a bit of a mockery but if you're a Jake Paul fan it's probably like the best thing you've ever seen so it's like a, you know is it drawing attention to the sport. It is. Is it the type of attention that a connoisseur or, or someone that really respects the art of boxing and, and you know, loves boxing in, in its truest and purest form? No, probably not. This has become a lot. It's become a big spectacle, a bit of a circus. So, you know, but it's going to continue as long as people make money. So that's that's kind of how it works, right? Is like as long as people are making money, they'll keep putting on the shows. But once that interest fades, when the spectacle kind of disappears, almost like a you know, it's like once the song is overplayed, it kind of makes its rounds and then it's it. So will this be around forever? I doubt it. Um, but as long as it remains popular and people are willing to spend $100 to watch Jake Paul uh, fight somebody, um, that, you know, will will he fight uh, an actual professional boxer? Uh, you know, I thought I thought it was going to happen with Fury. I'd, I'd like to see that happen. Um I'd like to, you know, instead of picking on guys who are clearly smaller than him, you know, fighting someone his own size, that would be nice to see um, just from like a fight, like a fighting standpoint. Let me tell you something, Jake Paul, if you ever stepped in the ring with the Gypsy King, Tyson Fury, everybody would watch that fight. That would be a big payday, but I'm pretty sure um, 
you'll have to take the next, you know, six months off from, from healing from getting your face punched in because <laughs> if this one thing we know about Tyson Fury is that he's pound for pound the best boxer alive today. There's there's no no question about that, especially after what he's done with the bronze bomber. Um I think it's safe to say Tyson Fury he could beat anybody at this point, right? Oh yeah. He's um I mean for a, he's a big man and his movement for a, a big man is uh is incredible. I mean, his skill set. I mean, he's not, you know, this is not like Valuev stumbling around the ring. This man has head movement, you know, he's, he's, he's got footwork. He's, he's fast. He has great punch placement. I mean, he's just, he's a boxer. I mean, he is, he is a boxer. He is, uh, you know, especially for his side. I mean, he is an artist. So I, I really enjoy, um, what he brings to the game. I like that he has a, a, a personality, um, and he, he does some weird things, um, but uh, that's what makes for a superstar, right? Like people want to, you know, they want to be, I mean, they're watching boxing because they want to be entertained. And I think he brings an extra layer, just unexpected, you know, singing songs after he wins fights. I mean, the, the guy's an entertainer through and through. So um, I, I admit I do like watching the Gypsy King fight. Um, and I, I look forward, I don't know, I don't know who he's supposed to, face off against next but it's probably not going to go well for them whoever they are yeah you know uh, anthony joshua stay away that's all i can say to you pal stay away yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> that's not gonna end well uh, yeah 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 see you're, you're a good it's dude, been man. you know you it, it almost both. for a little bit oh no please finish, I mean, your, point. I, finish your point I, i'm sorry i no, no, no. I was, I was just going to say, you know, like the heavy, heavyweight um, division kind of almost felt like the, 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 the 80s for a second. You know, like, you know, guys, it was like you, you, you got Joshua gets knocked out and then, you know, like, well, what did he, he, he took out Klitschko and, you know, you think he's going to be the king and then he ends up getting laid out and then, you know, it's just been like this, this, this kind of wild and crazy heavyweight division and then, uh, you know, Tyson Fury decided to, to, to pull it back together and, and, and get his life back on track. And, and the guy's like, you know, he's he's following in the footsteps of another Tyson now. You know, it's 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 really it's been interesting in the heavyweight division. And I felt like, you know, Klitschko's the Klitschko brothers were, were running things for so long. It, it almost I don't want to say it was boring. I respected what they did. They were good at what they did. They were very they're tacticians. They they weren't necessarily the most exciting. They didn't take a lot of risks. They just jab you to death until your face turned into pizza and then they'd unleash like a hook or a, a right hand and end the fight. But um so I respect what they did. You know, I respect the Klitschko's a lot. They 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 were they did what they did. But um, you know, bringing action back to the heavyweight division, it's been it's been an interesting few years, I think. For sure. For sure. Kazi, why don't you let everybody know the best way that they can check out, um, you know, not only Standing 8, but also Shimmer. Where, where can folks check these two projects out and, and get some good movie watching in their life? <laughs> sure. Uh, Standing 8 is now available free to Prime users. So if you're on Amazon Prime, you can check out Standing 8. Uh, it's like Standing 8 completely spelled out. It's 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 a short, so it's 27, 27 minute runtime, so it won't take up a lot of your time. But I think you'll be entertained just telling a, a different angle of a, of a of a fighter story dealing with this disease and getting heckled by his his former would be opponent and having to contend with 
um, letting his professional life go, you know, physically, even though mentally he wants to continue. Uh, so that's living on Amazon Prime. And then Shimmer is, um, I think, available at Walmart, Amazon. Uh, so yeah, so you can actually get it on DVD if you're like a DVD person. Um, I think uh, a few a few different streaming platforms, but primarily they're, they're using Amazon and uh, Video On Demand and Walmart. That's pretty cool. And what about yourself just on a personal level, Kazi? If, if folks want to keep up with whatever you got going on, especially any future projects, what's the best way that they can keep an eye on you? Uh, so probably I, I haven't been on social media so much, um, just been busy. But uh, I usually check in on my, my Instagram, which is at Kazi Toganus. You just spell it out, K-A-Z-Y-T-A-U-G-I-N-A-S. Uh, and that's, that's where you can follow me on Insta and then I'm official Kazi Toganus, uh, uh, for my Facebook, uh, Facebook fan page. Good stuff. I, I love the way you said that too. Just spell it out. It's like, who the heck knows how to spell Toganus if you've never seen it before? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that would, that would have been a challenge. No for one, me, so no I one knows how to spell. Yeah. Right. You, you would have got, you would have stumped me on that one, brother, but I love it. That's a, it's a cool name. Um, <laughs> A lot of culture behind the name and what have you. You said Eastern European. Where specifically uh, is your, is your family from? Uh, my my family is Lithuanian, Lithuanian or Lithuanian. So um, my uh, family history is pretty pretty wild. My um, grandparents all escaped Lithuania when the Soviets invaded. Um, they uh, ended up being refugees across Europe. Um, run uh, and ended up uh my my one set of grandparents ended up meeting in italy and getting married in italy and then uh made their way to uh south america and lived in south america and then from south america came to the united states uh, in chicago and then on the other side they ended up um living in in germany uh, while it was being reconstructed after the war and then made their way uh, to America as well. So I, I come from a immigrant grandparents and uh, a very crazy history of what was happening in Europe at that time. So I got a native Lithuanian name, right? So I, I rock it with pride. I love it. I love that. And I love the fact that you know your history. Um, it just continues to to show that you, you're a good dude, man. I mean, you you know, with, with standing eight, using your personal experiences in life and, and the experience of your mom and, and weaving that into your project. It's just, it's good stuff. It's good stuff, man. You're, you're a good dude, Kazi, and I appreciate you joining us on Duke Loves Wrestling. Before I let you go, do you have any, any final words, especially for any actors out, out there that are dealing with this crazy time right now? So I would, I would tell my acting brethren, uh, it's, a, it's kind of a twofold process. Number one, do what you have to do to survive. That means that if you have to take a day job, if you have to do something because you're not booking work, there's nothing wrong with that. We've all done it uh, and we will continue to do it. You're an artist, so don't worry about that. That doesn't define who you are. You're still an artist. Number two, strongly consider developing your own content. And when I say consider, really, I'm saying develop your own content. Don't consider it. Take as much control of your career as you possibly can. And if that means that you have to write something or find someone to write something for you and produce it, get it done. It'll be the most satisfying thing you have ever done in your entire life. So 
Um, I would strongly encourage to utilize whatever resource you have to tell the story that means the most to you and do everything that you can to fight for yourself because no one will fight for you as hard as you do. Good stuff there from Kazi. Great, great guy. And, and definitely I expect everyone listening right now, head over to Amazon or, or wherever else. I want you to check out Standing 8. I want you to check out uh, the other fantastic movie that Kazi's actually in, Shimmer. It's interesting. You know, this thriller, this this almost like a a different take on an X-Files sort of thing here. It's, it's really, really cool. Everybody out there, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Duke Loves Wrestling. Uh, you can shoot me an email, DukeLovesWrestling at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. If you are out there, and, and I don't care what walk of life you're in, if you're an interesting person, if you're a person who can carry a decent conversation, <laughs> then uh, you're welcome to come on the show as well. You know, I, I, I like to interview different kind of people, and certainly through the years I've done that. This is a, a pro wrestling and combat sports podcast primarily, but, you know, I mix it up. I love to have people from entertainment and journalism and science. You know, I've had astrobiologists on the show. I've had uh, Hall of Fame journalists and Emmy Award winning journalists on the show. Jesus, you know, listen, if you're interesting, you're welcome. So just hit me up and let's get this done. Also, anyone listening right now on your favorite podcast apps, do me a favor and hit that subscribe button. Also, shoot me a five-star rating, okay? You know how I do, man. I'm always going to deliver the great content, always going to deliver some great guests. So hook your boy up. Give me a five-star rating. Appreciate that. Okay. Till next time, be kind to yourselves. Be kind to others. Take it away, Tony Schiavone. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're desperately out of time on Duke Love Wrestling. <laughs>